Well, good evening. It is a joy to be here with you today. Uh, and uh, if you have uh, your Bible, you can open up to uh, Matthew chapter 1. That's where we will be. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it, uh, the scripture up on the screen uh, behind me uh, in a few moments. But uh, there is a, a certain responsibility uh, that every set of parents uh, has. It's a very important uh, decision uh, that for the most part will impact their child's life every single day uh, from that point forward. Uh, and it's just a, a one-time decision, but it has ongoing results. And uh, that responsibility is giving their child a name. Uh, and uh, if you look online of things to uh, consider when uh, thinking about possibilities of naming your child, some of the things to consider uh, would be what will his or her initials be? Uh, just because uh, a playground can be a rough place uh, for somebody whose name is Frederick Albert Thompson. Uh, that would be a bad uh, set of initials uh, if you're out there on the playground and other kids are aware of that. Other things to consider would be, uh, will the name lead uh, yeah, to being teased at school? Can the name be shortened to something else? Uh, is the name easy to read uh, and pronounce? Uh, is it Jonathan or is it Joe Nathan? Uh, does the name fit well with your last name? Uh, is it similar to uh, a name uh, of another uh, sibling? Uh, there's some families that, that want to have all of the, the initials uh, be the same for their children and some families who don't. So just things to uh, consider. Uh, other thing to consider would be, is the name famous or infamous? Uh, there's been a, a serious uh, drop-off in the number of uh, babies named Adolf ever since World War II. Uh, and then there's other things to consider, such as the meaning and the, the inspiration of the name. Uh, and uh, being honest, my wife and I found it very difficult to name our two boys. Uh, they were each kind of without a name for the first week of their lives as we kind of tried on different names. And we're like, ah, I don't know about this. But uh, ultimately, uh, the naming of Jesus uh, was very straightforward and very simple. Uh, and that's what I want to look at uh, this evening. It was very straightforward and very simple because both Joseph and Mary were told by angels uh, what the name of Jesus was to be. Uh, and it, we're going to look at this evening uh, at Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through uh, 25. And Matthew begins his gospel, even prior to this section that we're going to look at, uh, with the genealogy of Jesus. And he connects Jesus with, with Abraham and David who have gone uh, before because the, the promised Messiah was to be in the line of Abraham and of David. Uh, and then immediately following this genealogy, we, we see this scene of an angel coming to Joseph in a dream uh, and telling him what uh, to name Mary's uh, child. Now, and the angel came with this message, uh, with a very particular name, uh, and to name this child for a very particular reason. Uh, and this evening I want to look at uh, specifically verses 21 to 23. Uh, but if you would read along with me verses 18 to 25, just so we kind of get the, the context of what we're looking at tonight. God's Word says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, 
resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to, to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Uh, and as we look at uh, those verses tonight, uh, I want to think first and foremost about, hey, why was this birth announcement significant to Joseph uh, at the time uh, of the, this writing and at the time of Jesus' birth? Why was it important to Joseph? And then, just to look briefly, why is this announcement still important to us today? Uh, why are we still looking at it and studying it? Why is it still of vast importance to us? And so, f- first, uh, the birth announcement to, to Joseph... In verses 21 and, and 23, uh, the angel comes with this message for Joseph. And you could divide the, the angel's message uh, into the two big sections. Uh, the first is where uh, the, the angel comes uh, and says, Hey, this is what the, you shall name the child. His name shall be Jesus. Uh, and the second portion is, Why should you name him Jesus? Why must this be so? In the first part of verse 21 when the angel announces this, that she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, the name Jesus, or in the Greek, uh, Jesus, uh, is really just the, the Hebrew name that we're uh, more familiar with of Joshua, uh, or Yeshua. Uh, and the meaning of that name is Yahweh saves, uh, or Yahweh will save. Uh, and if we if we only had the, the beginning of verse 21, we would know that somehow this this child is going to be connected with God's plan of salvation. We wouldn't know anything more than that, uh, but we would know somehow, some way, God is going to use this little babe uh, to bring glory to himself by saving people. And, uh, but the angel didn't just say to Joseph what the name of the child would be. He says, hey, name the child this. It's very straightforward. Uh, but he says, name the child this, and for these reasons. And he's going to, uh, to give two big uh, reasons why the child shall be given the name of Jesus, of, given the name of Yahweh saves. And the, the first reason, uh, at the end of verse 21, is divine purpose. And Matthew says, for he will save his people from their sins. Uh, and that the reason that Jesus must be named Yahweh saves is that because Jesus will be the Savior. Jesus is going to be the one uh, who brings salvation to his people. And, but Jesus has not just come to save people from unhappiness uh, or uh, depression or poverty. Jesus has come to save from sin. He did not just come to save Israel from uh, being ruled over by the Roman Empire, but he came to save his people from sin. And Jesus came to save not just Israel, but all of humanity, because sin isn't just an Israel problem. Sin is a human problem. Uh, It's a problem that we all face day in and day out. 
And our sin has estranged us or separated us from a holy God who has created us and given us life and breath and everything every single day. And so Jesus must be given the name that means Yahweh saves because that is exactly what Jesus is going to do. He is going to save a people for himself uh, by coming, living a perfect life and dying on the cross. And the angel tells Joseph that, hey, Jesus must be given this name because he will save his people from their sins. We see divine purpose in the name of Jesus, but we also see divine prophecy. And that's in verses 22 and 23. Where Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And within this, Matthew is is quoting the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14, made 700 years uh, before the birth of Christ. Uh, The Isaiah, uh, the prophet was speaking with King Ahaz, uh, and King Ahaz was doubting the faithfulness of God. Uh, King Ahaz was doubting whether or not God would keep his word uh, about saving and rescuing Israel. Uh, And so God says, all right, name a sign, King Ahaz, and I'll perform it for you. And King Ahaz, uh, who was a, a wicked king, but he tries to kind of act holy here, said, well, I, I can't ask a sign of the Lord. Uh, and then God says, okay, I'll give you a sign. I'll tell you the sign that I will give to you that will prove and that will demonstrate that God is going to keep his word, that he will rescue Israel, not only in this situation, but he will rescue them in the future as well. And we see the words that are quoted here. In Matthew, and within this single verse, we have two significant prophecies about uh, these signs that that the Lord would send. And the first sign is that there would be a child who would be born of a virgin. A virgin shall shall conceive and bear a son. And the second prophecy, those little words, that second part of the verse, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is defined for us there uh, in that same verse, that God is with us. And so these two two prophecies, that, that a child will be born to a virgin, that the, the, the child would be who is born to the virgin shall be God. That is what we see. And, and both of those prophecies are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Both of those prophecies are fulfilled in his birth. Uh, and that is what we come together and, and celebrate uh, this evening and, and tomorrow. We don't just come and we, we're not celebrating uh, an ordinary birth. Uh, this isn't just a normal birthday. This is a miraculous birth. This is a miraculous conception. This is uh, something uh, singular in all of human history that we see in the birth of Christ. And that is why the birth of Christ uh, divides all of human history in, in two. Now you look at any history book, how do, they, how do they classify dates? There's before Christ uh, and then A.D., which is not after death, but in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini. This is the, the most significant birth that we have ever seen or will ever see in human history. And Joseph hears all of these things in a dream. And we see that Joseph receives all that he is told in faith. He, he takes Mary as his wife. And in doing so, he says, yes, I'm going to adopt. I'm going to take in this child who is not mine but I'm going to trust in the promises of God and what all that God has said concerning this child. 
and I'm going to raise him as my own. And this announcement was significant for Joseph because it calls for his obedience. And he obeys, and that's what we see in verses 24 and 25. That when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And again, these verses that we we're looking at, they, they call Joseph to certain acts of obedience. Of, hey, you must do this, this, and this. And Joseph did exactly that. He did this, this, and this. So, hey, this is immediately applicable to Joseph, but why is this significant for you and me? Why should we uh, open our Bibles here uh, this evening and, and look at these verses and, and study them and, and strive to understand what they are saying? Well... Now, I'd offer you this. So now, looking at, hey, what does this mean for us? This birth announcement is not just to Joseph and for Joseph, but it's also for us because it, because it has been recorded in God's Word. And now it calls us to certain things in the same way that it called Joseph. Now, this birth announcement for us, so what's the significance of it? Now, you can say that along those same lines of, the angel said to Joseph, his name shall be Jesus. Well, we must respond to that. How do we respond to this statement of his name shall be Jesus? And the answer is simply to, to believe in his name. That is what we are called to do now here in the 21st century. That Jesus is given the name of Savior so that we would look to him as exactly that, as being our Savior. And Jesus is identified as the Savior so that we would believe in and call upon his name. Again, sin is not just a problem for Israel. It's a problem for uh, everyone here in this room and everyone who has ever walked upon the earth. That sin is our biggest problem because it doesn't dwell outside of us. It dwells first and foremost inside of us. And Jesus came to save us from the sin that lives within our own hearts. And sin is a problem because consists of any attitude, action, or affection that is contrary to God. Uh, and anything that is contrary to God, whether intentional or unintentional, separates us from Him. Right? Uh, and that intentionality doesn't matter. If, if you're pulled over for speeding, uh, and you try and say to the officer, well, uh, it was just an accident. Uh, is that going to, to change things, or is that going to make things worse? Right? Uh, intentionality has no effect at that point in time. You've broken the law. Uh, and whether you did it intentionally or unintentionally, uh, the results will be the same. And Jesus came as the answer, as the remedy for our sin. Because our sin has separated us from God. Uh, because sin in and of itself is rebellion against God. And uh, just as the, the 13 colonies uh, in 1776 declared their independence from the empire of Great Britain. As soon as they did that, they were in rebellion. So we want to go our own way. And that's exactly what we do each and every time we sin. We say to God, the one who has created us. And whom we are accountable to, we say, we want to go our own way. I want to be independent from you, God. That is the nature of sin. It's a desire to be independent from our Creator. But this is where Jesus comes in. He comes in as our rescuer, as our Savior, as the one who came to save us from sin and all of the consequences that accompany it. 
And everyone who acknowledges their rebellion and looks to, to Christ in faith as the only mediator of peace in this rebellious actions that we have taken, if we acknowledge Christ as that only mediator, we will be saved. We will have peace with God. First Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And we are called to, to rest and trust completely uh, in what Jesus has done on our behalf. Jesus didn't come uh, to help us save ourselves, right? That's not what the angel announced. He says, hey, this, this person, this child who has been born of a virgin, he's coming to help mankind along so they can save themselves. That's not what it says. It says, Jesus is the Savior who is coming to save us, to save his people from their sin. That is what we must understand, that trusting in Christ, if he's going to save us, means that we are dependent completely upon him. We're no longer relying upon ourselves. Even as Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And there may be some who are here this evening uh, who are in need of peace, who are in need of reconciliation with a holy God. In our hearts, we naturally uh, direct ourselves away from God. But Jesus has, has come to call us back to our Creator. And if you are here this evening and you are you're realizing your, your waywardness, you're realizing uh, your estrangement from a holy God, you feel it within your, your heart and your soul and it weighs upon you, I would, I would beg you, I would implore you to look to Christ in faith. Trust no longer in yourself. Trust in Jesus. Trust in what he has done. That is why we have come to sing and to celebrate because Jesus has come to save his people from their sin. And he did this in his earthly ministry. We see this over and over again, that he came and he, he healed and he, he saved people from the effects of sin, the consequences of sin. You, you see this over and over again in his earthly ministry. And you also see it on the cross as he dealt with sin itself. As he went to the cross bearing our guilt, bearing our shame, to endure the wrath of God that we deserved, all the all the punishment for our rebellion that we should have received from God, Jesus bore on our behalf on the cross. And so Jesus' name fits him perfectly. That's why he had to be named that. That's why the angel comes and says, you must name him this. And that's why the angel says it to both Mary and Luke, uh, and he says it to Joseph here in Matthew. Jesus must be named Jesus because he is the Savior. He is the one through whom God is going to save a people for himself. There's a wonderful hymn uh, by John Newton. John Newton famously wrote Amazing Grace, but he also wrote this hymn. It's called How Sweet the Name of Jesus. And the hymn says this, How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows heals his wounds and drives away his fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. Tis manna to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. 
Dear name, the rock on which I build my shield and hiding place, my never-failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Jesus, my shepherd, brother, friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end, accept the praise I bring. And Jesus is that name that is so sweet, who, who brings salvation, who brings redemption, who brings peace and rest and comfort and joy to all those who seek Him and believe in Him. And Jesus has given that name so that we might rightly identify Him as that, as Savior. Not only that we might identify Him, but that we might believe in that name and trust in Him completely. And tonight we've, we've gathered to worship here, to worship the name of Jesus. And, and by saying we worship the name of Jesus, we're saying we, we worship everything that He is and everything that He has done on our behalf. The Apostle Peter, in Acts 4, verse 12, he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Jesus is the one that we have come to celebrate tonight, that we have come to to sing to and to worship, even as the angelic host did 2,000 years ago. We have come to praise His name, to acknowledge our worship and celebration of who He is and all that He has done and all that He continues to do for us. And He is the one who has come into the world to save a people for Himself that we might zealously serve Him and glorify Him, no longer living for ourselves, but to glorify His name. And as we, as we scatter to our homes this evening, I pray that, that that would sink into our hearts and that would remain with us in our, uh, our thoughts and in our affections. That, that we would continue to dwell upon uh, the beauty of God becoming a man, of, of deity becoming flesh, of God humbling himself, not only to the point of being born in a, a manger, but to the point of going and dying on a cross. Uh, and as we, we celebrate the birth of Christ uh, tonight and tomorrow, uh, one day we will celebrate uh, Him in glory. Philippians speaks uh, right after the, speaking about the humiliation of Jesus, of God becoming a man. also speaks about His exaltation. And that because He came at Christmas, He will one day be resurrected. He will one day ascend into glory and then one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Our, our culture sings uh, this time of year just about the, the great joy uh, and, and the wonder that you see on the faces of uh, children this time of year, Right? Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow, right? Uh, but, but why are their eyes all aglow? Why will they find it hard to sleep tonight, right? Uh, it's because there's something underneath a Christmas tree, something that, that's wrapped up uh, and they look forward to with great anticipation, right? Uh, and there may be some other goodies along the way. 
But, but that's why they can't sleep tonight. That's why their eyes are all aglow with anticipation of tomorrow's gifts. But I say that if we are followers and worshipers of Jesus, that we should have our eyes all aglow this time of year, but not simply because of gifts tomorrow. Our eyes should be aglow because we come and we worship Him, because we come and behold Jesus for who He is and all that He has done on our behalf. Because tonight we get to come and behold Him in His Word and see that He has come to save us, to rescue us. And now, this time of year, this Advent season, as it comes to a culmination, we long to worship Him. And we give gifts to one another in celebration because Christ came. Not simply because of what our, our culture is saying around us. Not simply because every merchandiser and uh, store in the area wants to get rid of all of their goods before the end of the year. Uh, but we long to worship and celebrate Jesus. And may our eyes be aglow because of His glory. Amen.